Hello, and welcome to Alive or Just Blethering, a podcast where two 30-somethings discuss the music we found and loved growing up. My name is Keith McLeod, and with me is my fellow host, Chris Lavender. Today on Alive or Just Blethering, I'll be taking us through The Poison by Bullet For My Valentine. Well, hello, 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 Keith. How are you today? All right, Slag has a game. Oh, you all right? What, what are you up to? Oh, good, oh, good. Did mowed my lawn today like a true dad. And you sent me a picture. I'm very proud of you. Oh, I was so proud. I mowed it a, a week ago and it looked like, like hell. So I was like, oh, no. This you scared you'd done some damage. I I still am. But anyway, it's it's recovering. But uh, Glad yeah. to hear it, man. Dad like Nice fence as well. Are you going to paint that? It's treated. It is treated wood. But we're not going to paint it. We're not going to get a colour on that. Mm, not yet. Maybe when it starts looking a bit scabby in a year or two. Who knows? Hey, no. Fair it is, man. Fair Ain't no rush on these things. <laughs> so welcome to Live or Just Blathering, where we're clearly 230-somethings as we're talking about mowing grass and lawns. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're returning to the podcast, welcome back. What is it about the poison that has brought you to the podcast? What are your opinions on this album? Because we certainly have a few Hmm. Give us a shout on Instagram at AOGBpod. Cast. Drop us an email at AOGBpodcast. I don't know why I've forgotten all these, but give us a <laughs> shout there. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, we're there. Or even drop us an email, AOGBpodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Maybe write us a, an essay as to why you think this is the best album ever written. Give us a like. Give us a comment, give us a share, give us a recommendation, give us a review. That's possible on Spotify if you would like to join the AOGB conversation. I must admit, I don't think we're going to get many positive reviews from the Bullet From My Valentine fans today. Sorry. Yeah, okay, for foreshadowing, not really foreshadowing, just maybe disclaimers. This one hasn't aged well for us. It has not. I have truly truly found this a struggle and i'm not proud to say that well it's not a matter of pride it's just usually i can fire away through an album without even blinking but for some reason this one just just i couldn't get into it i i was quite actually excited the the first sort of listen second listen i sort of went through it you know i was haven't listened to this album in a long time didn't really stick with bullet after this this, this was this is very much a flash in the pan, almost similar situation to Trivium. Absolutely fell in love with this album. Really loved Bullet for, for this short period of time. Fell off them on the next album. Unlike Trivium, never came back to them. But in listening to it for the first time, yeah, you, you know, you're, you're, there was fond memories there. And then I actually listened hmm. to what was there. And I thought, oh, oh no, oh, oh no, this, mm-mm. Problematic? Mm-mm. What there's I don't know how they've how they're still around with some of these songs. It's very it reminded me when we when we listened to Chiros. Yeah, uh, which we never which we never released. We never released a, this one, but it was a an album we we all listened to for the first time for the very very first time for some of us. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I remember you commenting that has this guy ever been me tooed? Yeah, yeah. I I wouldn't put Bill in that. In that category, and by saying are these, I'm surprised they're still around with some of these songs. Maybe a bit of an overstatement. There's one in particular I want to go into detail on that I think is incredibly questionable. But 
there's there's a lot of positives from this album, but ultimately, uh, I don't think it's aged aged well, and I'm a little bit like cringing inside that I was so influenced by these guys. I mean, I based my look on Matt Tuck for pretty much all of 2005, 2006. Sort of went from Heafy into Tuck. Or maybe it went the other way around because I had long hair and then I would have cut my hair. But yeah, like I totally... Mm, no thanks. I remember being into them. I absolutely remember listening to them and playing along on my guitar to their songs. Mm-hmm. And I also remember not listening to another album by them. Yeah. I never went to the next stage, whether my tastes had moved on, which they very like, which they very much do. Mm. But at the same time, there was just, there was, there must've been some subconscious reason where I was like, I don't want to hear another album by them. Yeah. Or maybe you heard the next album and thought, "Mm, no, I'm not doing this again. Cause that's pretty much what I did. Okay, I've not no. I have zero recollection of listening to any of the latest stuff after the poison, but I remember being into them. Like I do remember being like, oh yes, enjoying this, enjoying this, and and seeing them live. I you know, counting up. I think I've seen this band live a good four or five times. We've definitely talked about one of those to death with the crazy <laughs> fists and the eighteen visions. We have, com- yeah. We're completing that gig now. We've we're, we've now covered everyone who was part of that gig. Mm-hmm. I think I've seen them twice, including that gig. Yeah. So where else have you seen them? I saw them supporting Funeral for a Friend. Mm-hmm. I think they were meant to be supporting them twice, but the second time was replaced by Fight Star. I think you've mentioned that as well, yeah. Saw them on the Kerrang 25 tour with Still Remains and Aiden and Hawthorne Heights. Mm-hmm. And I saw them headlining the Corn Exchange in Edinburgh, which is a fairly sizable venue. Come to think, you know, come to think about it, the journey from seeing them opening for Crazy Fists at the venue in Edinburgh, which is like a was, rest in peace. R.I.P. What? That's a six hundred one thousand cap venue. Oh, six hundred. Not yeah, max, maximum, max, five hundred, six hundred cap, to the corn exchange. In the space of a year and a half, these guys blew up. It was that was like that's a two and a half cap, two and a half thousand Mm -hmm. cap. I'm sure at the corn exchange. You know that was a big leap, and they were they were smashing the festivals. Uh, They were part of pop culture, and you look at them, and they they were basically a. A boy band of a metal band, really. I would agree with that statement now. I would probably would have been offended by that statement <laughs> in 2005. But I'll, uh, I'll I'll definitely agree with that. So, released on the 3rd of October 2005 in the UK uh, on Sony... In the UK on Sony BMG. They actually knocked back Roadrunner. Oh. They were approached by Roadrunner. They said no. They decided to, open, to do a five-album deal with Sony... Yeah, they locked in with five. The Poison being the first of those five. And uh, Matt Tuck saying that they thought more doors would be open to them through Sony. I, I almost, I think that's a very smart move from them, to be honest. I think they could have easily been very pigeonholed by Roadrunner. I think Roadrunner might even have been a bit more ruthless if if those sales didn't 
immediately come out with the poison on Roadrunner. These guys could have been dropped very quickly. So I think if, if Sony were willing to give them a five album deal, they obviously saw the value in them and they've, uh, they've, they've gone for that. So good, good on them. But where did you find Bullet For My Valentine? What, what was your sort of first exposure to this band? 36 Crazy Fists uh, opening. Right. That, that was it. And I remember hearing it live for the first time and really enjoying it and thinking, these guys have, these guys have got something. And if anyone who's listening is, is from Edinburgh or has ever been to the venue, it is a very, very small, very small stage. Mm-hmm. And they were a five-piece band. And they're quite tall. These are these are they're quite tall guys, with a can't can't remember. I, well, I, I seem to remember them. I seem to remember them all being tall except the bassist, and Jason, and he and and like they 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 did seem really cramped on this stage. But I remember being impressed by their their guitar work live. They had a very old school sound about them, with mm-hmm. some newer sort of trends mashed in there to bring up into metal core they were they were very much on the 80s metal side of metal core mm-hmm. they had a, they clearly had some really defined influences in your, your metallicas and maybe like motley Crue's and stuff yeah very much so i'd agree but they yeah they, i just and i managed to get a hold of the was it the hand of blood ep yeah. Um, so it's well, kind it of wasn't. Blood. It was no. It was the self-titled "Bullet for My Valentine" EP, but it had "Hand of Blood" on it. Right. So I had "Bullet for My Valentine," "Hand of Blood," "Cries in Vain," "Curses." That's the one. Uh, no no control. control and just another star, and yep. it was the Japanese one. So I'm. I, I think I must have downloaded that off off whatever torrenting website I managed to get a hold of it on metaltorrents.com or something. One of those forums must have had it, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, they they blew up uh, at the same time that Trivium came through the door. So there were clearly very similar sounding bands, I think. Um, okay. Guitar, guitar influenced metal bands. Metal like, bands. They, they, yeah, they absolutely had like some OG metal at their sort of at their foundations at their core, and I would say there was differences there. But yeah, I would absolutely put Bullet and Trivium in the same same basket. Yeah, and when when I was listening to to Trivium, my Spotify led me onto some other bands of the time that I would listen to. God forbid, being one of them, and I think God forbid were more on like a hardcore side of things. So they were a little bit heavier, a few more beatdowns, that kind of sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas. You know, on the and then the flip side of it is is your bullet from a Valentine, which sort of just was more of a straightforward metal band, but with yeah very um modern modern modern. It had all the modern cliches. You had the you know the clean singing and uh, the scream vocals, screaming vocals, clean vocals, sort of the two way stuff going. And yeah. I remember really enjoying that, and I think I was really excited to see them supporting Funeral for a Friend. Um, that was summer, it was for hours, so that would have been summer 2005. Mm-hmm. And that was at, at Northumbria University in Newcastle, and that was a great gig. That was a, a really, really good gig. There was, oh, what was the first one called? Gratitude? Great band. If you've, if you've not heard of the band Gratitude, 
I think they only had one album, but they, they played their hearts out. They were great. A Static Lullaby, another pretty run-of-the-mill emo band, I suppose, in, in hindsight, but at the time I really enjoyed them. And then Bullet for My Valentine and Funeral for a Friend. So that was a that was a really, really great lineup for a show. It's a big bill. Yeah, it was four bands and they all and it was all filmed as well. It was all like it was live streamed. Mm. Which for two thousand five was pretty big. Something yeah, it was a it was a big deal. Uh, it was live and live streamed on MySpace. And the next time I think was the Kerrang twenty five, which was two thousand six. And then again was the other one that you were at where you punched yourself in the face. Yes, I did. As I lay dying, protest the hero. And I remember speaking to your, your man from Protest the Hero, the singer. R- Roddy Walker. Roddy, yeah. Speaking to him at the merch desk. And he was just like, what are all the girls into Matt Tuck for? They're like, Matt Tuck, Matt Tuck, Matt Tuck. He did not know. He didn't get it. He did not get why this band was so big, but he was supporting them. He's a handsome man, I would say. Who, Matt Tuck? Clearly, yeah. Yeah. And I... I yeah, okay. I'll give I'm that for always. I'm for always putting myself out there that these guys are handsome men. I, I, I don't know why. I'm, 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 I'm quite happy. And, I'm quite comfortable in saying uh, that. Okay, you know? I'll, I'll, I'll let you have that. You're welcome to your opinion. What? Did you just call Matt Tuck ugly? No, I'm not calling him ugly. I'm not saying all the band are. <laughs> all the band are not. But some of them are not pretty. Yeah, I think there's there, there there was there was an appeal there. There was definitely an appeal. There were there, there were some handsome boys in their day. You know, they're coming out there wearing cut off tees. They've got the long hair. They've straightened to an straightened to an effect because I should know because I was straightening my hair because of these guys. Uh, in fact, no, that's a complete lie. I never had to straighten my hair because I was naturally straight and people hated me for it. But hey, deal with it. Yeah, they were they were they they clearly had a marketed image. I think. Or, or the, the the labels and magazines leaned into that. It was of its time. It was so of its time. You could have, inter- you, you could create a doll, right? Okay. A little action figure, and it could be in a cut off Metallica tee. It could be in black jeans. It could have like some sort of Vans shoes. It could have a studded belt. And you could just put Matt Tuck's head on it, or you could put Matt Heafy's head on it, or you could put, you know, so it was entirely interchangeable. And that was the style of 2005, really, wasn't it? And then he went on, and that, that was it. That was, that's my times that I've seen them live. And I think by the, the, the last time I saw them live, I don't think I wanted to see them. I think I'd had enough Yeah. by then. I went, I went for the support acts to that show. I wanted to see Protest. Protest and Azalea Dying. Those those were the those were two really big bands that I want I would listen to on the regular, and you know they they wanted to they were what I wanted to be there for, and I I think I may have stayed for like maybe two or three bullet songs and was like nah, job done. I li- I lived really close to the the corner exchange, so I was just like I'm just gonna get a bus home. Yeah, no, it's um I actually maybe want to predate my interest in Bullet For My Valentine from 2005. So The Poison came out in 2005, but you touched on the Bullet For My Valentine self-titled EP with Hand Of Blood on it. Now that came out 15th of November 2004. I distinctly remember a friend of ours saying, Keith, you got to check these guys out. You will fucking love this shit. And there was a video for Hand Of Blood 
and it, it was he was showing me the video for Hand of Blood, and I was like, "You're right, I do love this shit." <laughs> so that was me. I was there. I think I've got the I've got the self-titled EP, and it was just a natural progression for when the poison came out that I was definitely going to check these guys out and I was into them I remember the poison ah oh, it's fucking hell man I want to kill myself for this sort of stuff I remember the poison coming out right kill myself is a bit strong but cringe just just there's so much cringe around like I'm revisiting this album yeah so it's uh, my my power metal band at this time which I've I've, I've mentioned on a, a few episodes now Massacre on I'm the Fjords Massacre on the Fjords I'm going to I'm going to practice the drummer. We we practiced at the drummer's house. It was all set up in his bedroom and stuff like that, and we just practiced around the house. So I get so the album comes out. I've got it in the car. I'm listening to it. I'm listening to it on my way to practice. It's just me. I'm like, this is fucking amazing. This is so good. This is some of the best stuff I have ever heard. And I get there, and there's an incredible friend of the band, friend of 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 anyone who's friend of the band at the time, not our band because we're not in a band. But gentleman by the name by there of Jed Potts. If I can ever get Jed on this podcast, it would be amazing. But I don't think he ever will, because he'll probably look at the songs with the albums we've covered and say, "Get fucked." <laughs> but Jed, I've not spoken to you in a, in, a, in a while, but you will not remember this. But we get there, and I was like, "Oh yeah, no, I've just been listening to the Bullet for My Valentine album." And Jed's like, "Oh yeah, how, how is it?" Now, I know now he was just totally baiting me into a fucking joke. But I was like, oh, yeah, it's pretty good, man. Like, oh, I think it's pretty awesome. Like, this is this is some really good shit. And I was like, oh, yeah, better than the, better than the Zip. Be- better than the Zip. And I think I said yes. Oh, my God. What are you on? What were so you this, on? It's a little bit of background that, like, uh, Jed, an incredible guitarist from West Lothian, uh, more of your classical sort of rock blues kind of guy he's out there i think jed pot and the hillman hunters is is his thing around edinburgh and 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 stuff does obviously plays more further afield than edinburgh but yeah i'm not saying i don't or i don't think at the time what i was trying to say is boom for my valentine or better than led zeppelin i don't know led zeppelin like i know of led zeppelin i have never sat down and listened to a led zeppelin an album from A to B I haven't done it because I was never like that much of an old school guy and I didn't really care to like go back and listen to that stuff you know mm-hmm. you pick up a couple of songs or whatever and blah 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 but there's Jed basically saying to me or try to take the piss out of me by like saying oh is this really would you put it up there with Zeppelin and I was like yeah well, I'd put it up there with Zeppelin <laughs> would I fuck put this up there with Zeppelin now oh my like, god like you, you've you've got levels mate just, just levels you've Led Zeppelin are like you know they they properly set the mold for for rock bands and their their albums are that were in, were very progressive for their time and to, to compare it to the poison <laughs> yeah that's a that's a bridge too far i think believe me i'm i'm with you on all of that and I'm sure it was just a bit of a running joke at the time that I didn't get because I'm pretty sure he knew I wasn't like you know up on my zeppelin at the time. But that that was me. So I got introduced via the Hand of Blood video. Loved the Hand of Blood video. Would have been on that EP up until the Poison. And 
I do remember loving the poison. Like I said, I probably based my image a little bit on Matt Tuck at the time, even revisiting it now. You know, it was nice to hear some of those riffs and stuff like that. But oh boy, this another seventeen-year-old album, and it has not, for me personally, aged well lyrically. There's some questionable points in this album. Yep. I find it all a bit more mundane. Like there's ref, there's like I think I said at the top. There's some good things to take from this album. There's some good refs, some great refs, some some really good solos. I think the album sounds amazing. It was produced by Colin Richardson. We've definitely covered or mentioned Colin Richardson before. He's done a hell of a lot of work on some metal with the inclusion of As I Lay Dying. Still don't know how we feel about those guys. Chimera, mm. Devil Driver, Fight Star, Funeral for Friend, Machine Head. Sorry, I just read the word sixth. I just read the word massacre as well. Uh, he's on Roadrunner United, uh, Slipknot. You know, Trivium, while she sleeps, guy's done. Guy's done a hell of a lot of work for a hell of a lot of bands. Yep. So he's on the EP. He's a a British record producer. He's on the EP and he's on the Poison. Yeah, I think it sounds. I think that album sounds pretty great. I think it does uh, as well. I think it sounds. It sounds good. I'll give it that. I think it does have the tone and the yeah because it, it because we're talking about so much really of. We're talking about how much of a metal band these guys are. They they have a clear, distinct lead and rhythm tone. You know, when they're when they're chugging along and they're going through some reps, it's pretty chunky, it's pretty beefy. The bass is absolutely nowhere to be seen on this album. I don't I don't think there's a standalone bass riff at any point. But when the soul's cut in, it's it's pretty shreddy, it's it's pretty good. And I think technically quite quite on it, frankly. I would say these guys knew what they were doing at the time, but I think the guitar solos are they sound good in in the recording but i feel that they're a little bit generic they're a little bit cookie cutter in places um very very much inspired uh, by basically master puppets and and justice for all especially i think one of the one of the solos i'm like that's just the one solo the tapping one the the, the one solo that every single guitarist has ever learned to tap to is Metallica's one, and it's just. I was like, that's a bit on the nose. It's just a little bit close to to that that solo. And when when you say the tapping, I, I know exactly which which solo you're talking about. I think that's either four words or uh, it's one of the singles. Yeah, and I think I, I think by the time the poison came out, I think because I'd been listening to the EP. And then we had that effectively for a year. And that was the only six songs that I maybe had. The Poison came mm-hmm. out and it basically has four out of those six songs on again. Agreed, yeah. I don't think that was a I don't think that was a particularly smart move because I think it would have been better to have new songs on there. I'm I'm always if they were going to have them on, I had them on as bonus tracks on special releases or something like that, maybe. But I, I do feel like the you sh- bands should often, you know, g- keep things regimented in, in that sense. In fairness, actually, I'll need to correct us there. That, that's not quite true. The only song that made it off of the EP was Cries in Vain. On the initial release, they took Cries in Vain off of the EP and put that on the album, right? 
20th of July 2005, Four Words to Choke Upon was added to the Japanese release of the album. So they probably already had that recorded for The Poison and they've put it on the EP. And Hand of Blood was not on the original release. Hand of Blood was only on the EP. And when I was listening to it off of Spotify and Hand of Blood came on, I was totally surprised. I was like, no, this, 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 pretty sure. Because I, I, I'm not comparing the songs, but Hand of Blood sort of reminds me a lot of uh, this year's most open heartbreak. You know, just an incredibly, out, really good out the gate sort of first release intro song, blah, blah. You know, if you hear that song, you're going to be like, yeah, this is awesome. So I'm not comparing the two songs directly because end of heartache would have been hands down hand of blood was added to the poison later on and removing the song spit you out which is came back on an, another extended release because there's bloody loads of these things so and yeah in fairness, that, actually it's, it's, there's, you go through it and there's hundreds of different additions yeah and in, in, in fairness to the band uh, in fairness to the fans if anyone's gonna pull us up on that it was only ever Cries in Vain that came off the EP on the original release. Oh, and okay. some, some more of sort of snuck in after, snuck in after the fact. Because, yeah, now, you know, four words, Cries in Vain, Hand of Blood. That's it? Uh, is that it? Yeah. I, don't, I, I must admit, I think I got my fill of them in the majority on the EP. Then the poison came out and it, sort of set it up i remember even again i was like interested on the forums they did a competition for the artwork and oh i God, even, you didn't get heckled by the band again did you no 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 this one i never no this never got heckled no nothing like that happened but i did i even Great. had a submission i mean i put a submission in for one of the for the artwork all right um, how did that go i didn't win and that's the end of that well, can you describe your submission it was an X-ray of a heart with a bullet going through it, sort of like a a, a medical heart. All right. And then it that had like sounds, a metal bullet going through it. That sounds like these guys. <laughs> exactly. It, it fit. But then when I saw the real artwork, I was a bit disappointed. <laughs> God, do you know what? Now that I'm looking at the album artwork for the deluxe edition, was that the competition? Was it the artwork for the deluxe edition? No, it was. It was for the the main one. All right. Oh no! Even on the yeah, no, I can see that now actually. So I might have once upon a time in my life considered, you know, how you've got the guns and the smoke, mm. or the sort of the guns and the sort of the almost tribal smoke lines coming out of it. I might have thought that would have been a good tattoo at one oh, point. Oh my life. goodness! Thank fuck, I did not. There's get an that. alternate reality where Keith has that tattoo, though. There's an yeah, no, there's an alternate reality where I'm still a bullet for my Valentine fan. But it ain't this one. It's not this one. Maybe we'll get a cameo in the new Doctor Strange movie. I don't know, but we're definitely not getting that. The uh, let, let's uh, let's talk about sort of the artwork there, and because it would it, it would help. <laughs> well, that, this is what I mean. It, it would help the situation that we're gonna bring up if this was some sort of concept album. If this was maybe about you know a crime a murder you know the, for anyone who's not seen Bullet for my valentine the poison album cover it's a sort of cell shaded esque uh, you know. sin city frank miller sin city like 
black and red. Yeah, where there appears to be a a naked woman. You can't tell if she's naked because there's it's it's as if she's sort of lying dead. There's blood splatter in a door frame. There's light coming through the door, and there's a person standing in the door with the silhouette over their body. So I can't tell if that person is naked or the silhouette is sort of covering them as if they were wearing clothes, right? So dead woman on the cover. Person silhouette, I would say, looks like a male. Male silhouette. Not male, the silhouette of a male. Standing over this naked standing over, it's, there, there is there is a person standing over them, yeah, in right. a doorway. Might not be, might not be male. That might be me being presumptuous. Oh yeah, the woman is. We've already mentioned she's naked. I can see she's in high heels. Right. Okay. So let's get on to mm-hmm. the sort of point where this album turned for me, and I started questioning literally everything about it. What the fuck is hit the floor all about? It's a bit creepy, isn't it? Because it's it feels a bit stalkerish. Um, a bit good lord this is the rape one of the rapiest songs I've ever heard Hit the Floor is track 6 on Spotify it's 3 minutes 30 seconds long let's just go through some of the lyrics of this song right so the verse I see you walking home alone your face is alive and bright but you can't see how weak you are cause I could end it tonight it's the feeling you get when you think that someone behind is watching you. Well, I can tell you now that someone is me. I'm about to make it right. That is really rapey, isn't it? First one. First one, right? Yeah. Gets to the bridge. Why do you take it all? Why do I beg for more? I never thought that this is how I'd hit the floor. Why do you take it all? What does any of that mean? I cr- no, I might. It's the next one. I'm sorry. The next. next oh, yeah. Verse oh, two. God. Verse two. Why do why do I beg for more? I never thought that this is how I'd hit the floor. Oh, that's the verse. No, it's, it's the I creep up from behind, touch your neck, move down your spine. You take a look and breathe so sharp, just a matter of time. Don't scream, I ask of you. Yeah, this is... It but needs... then you let one out, now it's time to go. I come down on you like a ton of brick, all over so it's time to go. Down, down. Why do I take it all? Which is shit because that's actually quite a good harmony. Like I think they hit that quite well. They're down, down. I don't like the woes in this album. The woes. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, that's it's, too it's much. Not, it, it, oh, that's too much. What about creeping down necks and spines? I mean, and I mean, I don't mean. I just mean it's very. Yeah, I know. I know. That feels like something that would belong really well on an Avenged Sevenfold album. I don't um, think this goes well on anyone's album. But Look the, at the, the lyric, intro. Lyrically, it's, it's really yeah. bad. And then it makes you question the other lyrics. And... Uh, the last I, two lines, the last two lines, take this from me, I don't want to hurt you. Take this from me, I don't want to hurt you. And you're right. It sort of, it, it then puts into doubt a lot more of the other songs. So, uh, I think the one that stood out again to me was Hand of Blood. It's not not as bad as as what we've just seen on Hit the Floor. But um, yeah, Hand of Blood. There goes my Valentine again, soaked in red. Soaked in red for what she said, and now she's gone. Oh my God, have I done it again? There's a pulse, and it's deafening. I can't help 
with what I hear in my head. It's the switch that I flick when he says, hand of blood, blah, blah, blah. I saw you look away. Is it what you've seen? Is what you've seen too much to take? Or are you blind and seeing nothing? I saw you run. I saw you run away. It's what I've done too much to take. Or are you scared of being nothing? It's very much an album. You, you, you got this one. You nailed this one during the week. It feels like it was written by a 14 year old boy in his bedroom. Yeah. Who's just been dumped by his girlfriend. So he's now writing songs about murdering her. (laughs) Murdering her, being angry, being rejected, not knowing how to deal with those feelings. We kind of touched on it with Trivium and how, you know, Matt Heafy was quite young. I think the Matt Tuck would have, maybe not as young as as Matt Heafy, but also would have been a young guy in 2005 writing this stuff. Mm -hmm. If you're going to have a look at his, his, I think he's 40 something now. So not that much older than us. But another another younger younger man writing this stuff, and he, he, yeah, it, I can't imagine they would write a song like "Hit the Floor Today." I I thought the name Sarah Everard when I hit, read "Hit the Floor," and that's fucked because if you're not aware of of what happened there, Sarah Everard was a young woman who was abducted and murdered last year, walking home through London by a police officer. By a fucking police officer. Who's also on trial for a previous crime again. Even though he's in even though he's in the jail. Yeah, they found out he was an even worse cunt than he could have possibly have been. He was apparently so, a right weirdo as well. He used to like bring like escorts on works night outs and stuff. And just hire prostitutes just for the fun of it. He he was a to- he's a total creep. And people wonder why I don't like the police. Honestly. Because they because somehow that guy managed to stay a police officer anyway let's not rant about why i'm questioning the police right so yeah i read hit the floor and i think sarah everard and i'm like this is fucked who are these guys and why did i not identify this in 2005 as an absolute red flag i i can see these are the types of albums that the incel movement get themselves quite into because it is very, it's very anti-woman, this album. It's It, it feels. It, no, I, I sort of agree. I don't want to, it's why I'm reading out the lyrics. I don't want to just all of a sudden state this is the meaning of these lyrics. I, I fucking hope there's a, a, a different interpretation of these lyrics. I don't want this music to mean what I think it means. And at the end of the day, I, I, I'm not thinking... The guys from Bullet for My Valentine are are stalking and murdering women. Do you know what I mean? They're not going out their way to to do this sort of shit. Like I I know that's not the case. It it was probably written by a fifteen to eighteen year old guy because he thought it sounded cool and dark and, and edgy. edgy. Exactly, yeah. exactly like we said with 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 Matt Heafy. You know, would they write this song today? I don't fucking think so. But why the fuck is this? Why didn't they take this song off the album rather than <laughs> spit it, you out or whatever? In all its millions of re-releases and repackagings, they could have this on. If you just look at uh, Spotify, this this uh, this song hit the floor has eighteen million plays. So I use so we've got two young kids. So we've been going through Disney, and we've got Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. 
And there are some movies from the 90s that come with, like, unskippable sort of warnings. Aladdin is, is a great example. Is which it is also uh, The Song of the South? Is a good example as well, I think, of what you're about to see. I don't know. I don't know about that, but I know if you watch Aladdin on Disney Plus, you get a, a disclaimer at the start, mm-hmm. which is then basically saying this, you know, depicts people badly. We, you know, we need we're, we're preserving yeah. it. We're preserving it in its original form. But, but we played to stereotypes and racial stereotypes, etc., and that's that was not what should that's not the done thing anymore yeah and it was like at the time it was it was but now it is not and i know that in aladdin they changed so in the remake they changed one of the lyrics for arabian nights it Mm -hmm. it, it used to say i don't know what it says now but it's the line where is it's barbaric but hey it's home They've changed. Right. They've changed that lyric to something else, so they don't call them barbarians anymore. Effectively, and good on you, Disney, you weirdos. But it, I feel like this is one of those albums that could perhaps benefit from a slight disclaimer. I don't know how. You, I don't know how Spotify would do it. Just, just to be like, just before you listen to this, bear in mind it was written by an angsty teenager twenty years ago. Twenty years ago. It doesn't reflect their views now. I bloody hope it doesn't anyway. And, you know, something like that would be a really interesting addition to... to I don't want to censor it. I don't I don't believe that the album should be censored, but I feel mm. it's one of those... The lyrics on some of these... Not just, not just what we're talking about there. Hit the floor. Hit the floor, but I think Room 409 as well. I think that's got a lot of, like, blame, blaming the other, other party... Getting caught Suffocating cheating. under words of sorrow. We were just looking at it before we started. Oh, that just recording. makes no bloody sense at all. Gibberish, absolute gibberish. But it does feel as if it's it's scapegoating. It feels as if it's if it's scapegoating the other party, which you would assume from the line she steps out from her underwear, so beautiful that it's you know scapegoating a female. Like it's 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 insane. If you're a bullet for my Valentine fan. And you've gone this far without hating every word we've said, and you have a different interpretation of "hit the floor" or the sort of the lyrics we're talking about. Please shed some light on this stuff because, sure, interpretations can go anywhere. You can have different meanings and stuff like that. If we've got the absolute wrong end of the stick, let us know because this is the sort of shit that makes me like not listen to bands anymore. Yeah, I have. I have struggled to get through this album end to end and I think the lyrics are troublesome and hammy in places and nonsensical in others. Yeah. I don't, th- I think overall, as much as we've praised the album's production and it's, it's sound, I think it's a quite a boring album. There's... Quite, quite generic in places. I think... Uh... I genuinely agree with what you're saying. The the album as a whole, be, I, I sort of I've started to do this to myself in in listening to some of these albums. I listen to them too much within a short period of time. I probably got through this album five or six times in the space of wow. about four or five days. That's um, five or six times more than I managed. Believe me. Yeah, and like I said at the top, really enjoyed hearing some of these riffs again for the first time. But just by the end of it, I was. 
bored. I didn't really. I, I was. I, I find myself picking out faults more than I was picking out sort of good things. Like when I referred to some of the stuff on, on Still Remains, like having listened to that album numerous times over the last seventeen years, I was still finding new bits. You know, uh, when I looked back at my phone because it was a song, I was just like, oh crap, I don't remember this part of it. You know, The Poison didn't really have that same sense of rediscovery or that same sense of, you know, oh, that bit's amazing. It is It is a very straightforward metal album, albeit done well. So no bad thing there. Done well, but yeah. I suppose we've had 17 years of this and it's probably a bit boring by now. Yeah, I I won't be listening to it again. No, me neither. Absolutely not. Not not until someone can tell me what hit the four means. <laughs> Do reach out to us at AOGB Podcast, Instagram and Twitter. Let Keith know what does hit the floor mean if it isn't what we think it means. I'm begging you. Someone justify those lyrics because they're dreadful. Like, not just lyrically dreadful as in like, oh God, I can't believe someone wrote that. I mean, I can't believe someone wrote that. But like, what I feel they mean. I get it. We're we're 17 years later. It's 2022. But that shit should never have been accepted in 2005. Never. Gross. Gross. So you so, never you never checked out any later albums, did you? I didn't. No, I, I they were just one of those bands. I think after before the last time I I saw them with with as they dying, I have a feeling that was I want to say August September two thousand six. Mm-hmm. Got that got that date roughly in my head, and i just had no interest in them i think i must have listened to scream aim fire once i must have but it clearly left zero impression as i don't recall a single note <laughs> from it i think i know there's, I... is there a song called scream aim fire on it yes yeah it's the f- first song that might be the only song i sort of have any guess of what it sounds like it came out it came out in 2008 I, i'll sort of give bullet the benefit of the doubt i did at least check out the the, the two follow-up albums to the poison screaming fire and fever but really screaming fire didn't do much for me i thought the, the first single wasn't for me i do absolutely have a guilty pleasure of track three hearts burst into fire like that's a total like just sort of metal ballad and word for it. <laughs> i went back to it and i was like ah, it's still kind of Still kind of fun. I still remember why I like this album. It's a total heart bleeder, but like it's it, it was it stuck with me. I think wait, I've just realised Waking the Demon. I think was a single as well. And yeah, there was absolutely nothing on Fever for me. And and by that point, I was like, oh no, we're 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 going to go our separate ways. Fever was two thousand and ten. So I mean, there's another thing to say. These guys had a five album deal. They didn't just grind this stuff out. 2005 for The Poison, 2008 for Screaming Fire, 2010 for Fever. Mm-hmm. Three albums in five years. You've, you've seen other bands do more. Yeah, yeah. That tells me good things. Like They didn't force them out, like you say. They were clearly doing it at their own pace, like they yeah. wanted to. But yeah, I, I don't... There was just I think my, my tastes 
after 2006 and onwards really started to change I uh, definitely got more into a little bit more hardcore mm-hmm. um, certainly the bands that I was playing in were more comeback kid-esque that like we talked about last week or a couple of weeks ago and this this was just one of those bands that by the time the next album came out 2008 I was long past them and listening to way different stuff like just on a, just on a different just a different plane by this point same 2008 I think I was in my post doom metal band so I was getting more into your Mastodon and your Isis and Neurosis and like that really heavy doomy sludge so there was absolutely no place in my listening for pop metal yeah pop metal pop metal there's a really good uh clincher on on don't for valentine no you you i think that that actually really does put a put a pin in it because it really was poppy metal i don't even mean that derogatory i i i I want to be clear on the fact that i I did find some good things on on these guys i thought they had a decent amount of riffage if we refer to from last week they had Mm -hmm. had some there's some decent riffage but it's it's sort of metal that's pretty safe. I don't want to say so much metal by numbers, but it's it's pretty safe. It obviously got created a good launch pad for them, and they've gone on to do some 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 sweet stuff. So like credit where credit's due, Bullet from a Valentine definitely had its place, but for me, they didn't have a place after two thousand six, two thousand seven. Yeah. And it's interesting because the last two episodes that we've done still remains and Darkest Hour. Mm-hmm. Those are albums that I will go back to. Those are actually albums that I've been singing in my head in the shower still. Mm-hmm. They've got hooks. They've got catchy moments. There's something about those albums that I've, um, I will say are I'm much more pleased to listen to. Whereas this, sorry to say it, it's just not not just doesn't cut it for me anymore. So. I'm sorry, Bullet, but you're, um, yeah, never mind. In fairness, I think the album has hooks. You know, I think there are those moments that you could have in your head. Ironically, in reference to Hit the Floor, like I said before, the din, din, why do I take it all? Din, din, why do I beg for more sort of thing? Like, that could get quite catchy and quite get in your head. It's just a shame it's a song about stalking and murdering someone. <laughs> you know, the, 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 there's other points like um, Hand of Blood and and even even the big singles, like the four words to choke upon and your, your tears don't fall and stuff like that. Like, these songs have hooks and I think that's why they appealed at the time. But, yeah, like I, I, I had far more enjoyment listening to your, your Of Love and Lunacy or even Comeback Kid than than say Hit the Floor by Bullet yeah. by Valentine I'm sorry I'm stuck on that song but it was just genuinely once once it was I don't know it was like getting bad news like as someone's telling you something's happened and the horror and the shock sets in like as I'm listening <laughs> to the song and I'm realising and I'm like fucking hell is that what we were listening to and we were absolutely oh man oh I've got a, this is totally this is totally out from the podcast but will will set the scene for 
for this time of my life. And this is a little bit later on. Where are we? 2007. So, funnily enough, the same guy that got me into or recommended Hand of Blood to me sent me a link. And you know who you are. You think you're coming on soon. We think you're coming on soon. If you're listening to this episode, sent me a link. And it was keith-dyt.livejournal.com. Oh, no. Good luck going to that one, kids, because I deleted that shit instantly. I died inside when I read that stuff. Horrendous. So, I mean, I'm not saying I was writing stuff like hit the floor, but like, oh, God, 18-year-old me just sort of like finding my sort of confidence and blah, 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 and having a band and, you know, feeling like I'm on top of the bloody world. Minging. Absolutely minging. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, no, I dread to think. And then I listened to Bullet for My Valentine, so no thanks. <laughs> oh, God. I I never really got into the blogging thing. I think I tried to do some blogging. I, I went, I saw, I did like maybe five, six posts, and that was genuinely it, but I've, I've, I've since deleted it. I think I might have done a blog on my MySpace page, which... I don't even know if it exists anymore. I don't know how to... I mean... Should I... I don't know if, if these are the type of things I should should delete or or what. Because these are the things that come up in... Like you say, someone just finds it. Someone finds a link. Old tweets have, have got people kicked out of jobs and stuff. Who yeah, knows? I just... I, I honestly didn't read... Uh, I didn't, I didn't read sort of any of the, the posts. I read my bio and that was enough to make me cringe, die inside and, and delete this stuff because it was just it was just so bad. I think my MySpace photos all got lost when MySpace had a, they did like a, a data migration and they lost loads of stuff. Right. I think, I don't think, any of my photos are on MySpace anymore. That's a shame. I would have liked to have dug some of those out for for some for some classic bands. But yeah, no, all my MySpace photos are gone. It's probably for the best, bro. Yeah, it probably is. Anyway, that yeah. was a thing, and I'm glad that that's never going to happen. I might not even I might even cut that in the edit. I might not even put that live journal thing out there because it was. Like I say, the bio was just so, so cringy. I think I read some of the titles and I was like, oh my God, what, f- what an absolute dickhead I used to be. So, Labs, is it time for our next segment? Yes, I think, well, our only segment uh, after the... Main segment. After the after the main, main show. Uh, yeah, what am I listening to? What are you listening to? I'll be, be honest, I've not had a lot to listen to this week. Pretty I don't know. I've just been doing other things. You've been things. too busy mowing lawns, mate. You've been too busy cutting that, getting them sweet lines in, Living. getting those New Balance all grassy. Ah, oh, getting getting my getting my feet wet. The only thing I I listened to was a, a link that was sent to us by one of our mutual friends, and it was a, a band called The Burning Wind, which, when you say it out loud, makes it sound like a shout. But they have. A, <laughs> Sure. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh man. But yeah, you. Oh, like I don't. Them. I don't. 
I don't feel very well. Why? What happened? I just had some burning wind. <laughs> I just said out loud and I was like, just doesn't sound very nice. Uh, but they have an album of an EP, actually. A very short six-track EP called An Inheritance in A-Sharp. And it is mm-hmm. great. It was, it was really good. Um, so th- thank you for that recommendation. Uh, they, I think that was like a 2019 EP. And that's the only thing that I listen to. Oh, and, and the usual, I, lis- I, I basically listen to this album once a week or at least once a month. And that's Turnstiles Glow On. I think it's one of the best albums of, a de- of the decade. It's so, so good. Oh uh, yeah, I'm, it's actually in my uh, my recommended right I'm looking at it right now. I would I would highly recommend it. It's a very fun they're a fun band to listen to. And like even though it's hardcore, I can put that I feel like I can put that on the car when anyone's in. When the kids are in the car, when the wife's in the car, friends who don't listen to this type of music are in the car. Cause it it's just really, really it's just really fun. And they were on like, I want to say like Conan O'Brien or some American late night talk show quite recently doing one of their songs as well, which is, it's amazing for them. They, they are doing really, really well. So yeah, if you haven't listened to Turnstiles Glow On already, please do. I will, I'll queue it up. I'll check that out. What about yourself? Yeah, a bit of a strange one for me. The, the past couple of days I've, I've been quite busy. I've been up and down to the homeland. I was back in Scotland for a wedding. Uh, so I had a few hours to drive. Unfortunately, the wife decided to sleep for most of the journey, so I couldn't have the tunes pumping. However, went through Eternal Blue, Spirit Box again, because I do generally just love having that album on in the background. Obviously, give The Poison a bit of a shout. But uh, I've... Oh, before I go on to podcasts. So I've been listening to a lot of Leather Terror as well, really getting into that, really sort of finding my feet with the album. I think I spoke about it last week and said how I don't really get the album. I'm trying to get my head around it. Really find my feet with it. I love it. That that day-night scene, those two songs, when they switch around, man, are whoa, really getting my getting my um, burning wind going. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, but so uh, coming out of Leather Terror and it going into the the Spotify audio came a song called The Rebel Path by BT sorry PT Adamzik Adamzic so it's off the Cyberpunk 2077 original score yeah you sent that to me last week yeah did you did you listen to it i did it is it's on my plays um i don't recall it though i'm going to have to give it another whirl Man, such a jam. Like, it could easily have been on one of our favourite soundtracks, uh, Daft Punk, for Tron Legacy. Oh, nice. It's It, it has those vibes. All right, cool. Excuse me. So, it's only one song. I've not listened to the, the entire uh, original score, but was really, really digging that song. So, I'm definitely going to check it more by uh, P.T. Adamczyk. I'm really sorry. I'm assuming that's Polish to some description. And I've butchered it, but the song track three called The Rebel Path is fucking sick. Brilliant. Aye. But the, for the rest of my time, I've sort of been getting into a couple more podcasts and more recently for, or was recommended a, a podcast from another podcast 
oh hang on wait what am I talking about here so I've been listening to a couple more podcasts one called The Confession of the Idiots where uh, there's a host gets on some, some comedians and sort of reads out confessions from Reddit I don't know if it's his Reddit I don't know if people openly give him this stuff or or if he sort of finds his stuff off of off of Reddit but Confessions of the Idiot very funny and a one I just started listening to today was called Midfight Brawl. I'm only a couple of episodes in both of these, to be fair. And I think I talked about this on the on the episode before, on the pod before, but I, I have an inability to listen to podcasts that were not made in Melbourne, Australia, <laughs> for some fucking got, reason. Got a perchance to the, the accent, have you? I, I, don't, I don't know what it is, but I, uh, basically Confessions of the Idiot and Midfight Brawl uh, are are ran by two or, or in total three uh, Australian comedians. I think on Midfight Brawl, one of the guys is is from Sydney. Anyway, I've seen Nick Cody, who is a Melbourne-based comedian at Edinburgh Fringe before. And Midfight Brawl is quite funny because it's basically the two guys, you know, sort of what we do with music albums, they do with um, fights that happen on airplanes. Okay, which sounds like a bit of an odd concept, but like it's um, it's it's working for me so far. Uh, the two guys are pretty funny, and it's so Australian. It's these so like, oh yeah, so the fucking yeah, so they're on the flight, yeah, and he's just fucking sinking tinnies and that, and fucking punching darts, and then before you know, he's fucking shit in the cart and fucking pissed off the fucking flight attendant and gets fucking Bali, mate, Bogans, <laughs> you know, buzzwords. It's so funny. Yeah, so I've, I've, I'm, for some reason, I'm finding my feet with, with, with more, even more Melbourne-based or um, Australian comedy-based fucking podcasts. <laughs> Aye, good. I've, I'm, I'm glad you're finding something that's in, intriguing you. Uh, I've, 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 I watch. I think the only the main main Australian thing that I watch is uh, Dank Dank Pods. On the yeah, on the, on the yeah, no, that guy's. You've shown me that guy a few times. He's 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 cool. He's hilarious. I don't know what it. He just every word that he says just absolutely puts me in stitches. I don't know. And again, is it the accent? It's just that the sense of humor, the the delivery of it, just makes me absolutely. Yeah. I just he's just so wholesome and it's super great. Yeah, he's super, he's super funny, and he's he's talking about kind of shit that I'm into. I'm clearly the same age or a similar age. Because he he does a lot of nostalgic stuff on his on his channel, and he talks about things that like having CD players and tape players and things like that when he was a kid, and how their sh- MP3 players was his bit is his big thing, and how shit they are, or mm-hmm. new ones, how the old ones that they are, and he's like nuggets and stuff. It's it's great fun, um, but I get I get it. I I think there's something about that the accent that really just hooks you in, lends itself to just lean into these things. It's it's. It's funny. It's some funny stuff. So yeah. that's um, that's what I have been listening to, in and amongst attending weddings, which was beautiful. Congratulations, Kenny Kirsty, and driving between Perthshire and Englandshire. Ouch! Big time, big time. Any any final thoughts? Any final words on Bullet before we go, or? Are we uh, have 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 we done this one to death? No, I th- I think I think we've said. I feel like we've said. Our, I've said my piece. I I I, f- I feel like I I don't want to have came across too hard 
on the band. I lo- I absolutely ate this shit for breakfast at the time. I thought it, it was the the mutts nuts, but yeah, I suppose seventeen years later, I'm I'm in a different place. I'd never really stuck with the band much after this album anyway. So someone tell me what hit the floor means. It's definitely <laughs> you know a red flag. Like really, that should that should come up on a register somewhere. Do you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> Anyone who's got that track favorited should be on a register. Absolutely, but yeah, that is that was hit the floor. Sorry, that was the poison. What are we on to next, love? Yeah, well, I'm I'm debating, I'm debating in my head because there is a there is an album from 2002 that I know yeah. I know we're in the, I mean it's the wrong year, but I would have only heard it 2004-2005 sort of the the time frame we're in Mm -hmm. so I feel like it's now's the right time to do it I want to talk about Tear From The Red by Boys In The Well cool Boys In The Well I'm down with that Boys In The Well Boys In The Well what is it Boys In The Well Boys In The Well Boys In The Well or Boys In The Well Boys In The Well and it's Tear from the Red as well. Anyone who's going to debate it, it's Tear from the Red. It's not Tear from the Red, because that makes no fucking sense. It's Tear from the Red. I've said my piece. <laughs> tear from the Red. Is that is that the album? Is that the one that sort of everyone should listen to? Mm, I think... Personally, yes. But I do feel like in a similar vein to Every Time I Die and Come Back Kid... I don't think you can really go wrong. So it's not the one I had in mind. The one I had in mind is You Can Come Before... Oh, You Came Before You. You Came Before You. You Come Before You. That's a great album. And I was I was tempted to put that one on because it's, it's got some fucking bangers on it. Absolute bangers. Mm-hmm. But Tear From The Red for me, That's that's a... That was the first time I heard Poison the Well, and it's it's bloody nigh on perfect, if I remember rightly. I'm going to find out when I go back to it. Nigh on perfect, folks. You heard that. Nigh on perfect. That is, I mean, I know I give Of Love and Lunacy 10 out of 10, but nigh on perfect. That's big. And and it's one of those ones that I don't think I'm going to get a shock listening to it, because I think I listened to it pretty recently. I hope. Fingers crossed. All right, man. Cool. Can't wait for Tear from the Red. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. Would you like to take us home, Keith? This has been Alive or Just Blethering. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get in touch, you know what to do. At AOGB Podcast with Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at AOGB Podcast at gmail.com. I did the at again whatever (laughs) I hope anyone who wants to use it works it out someone please tell me what hit the floor means and next week Lav will be taking us through Tear from the Red Tear from the Red or Tear from the Red I'm not even trying to joke at the moment Tear 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 from the Red by Boys in the Well Boys in the Well what what good night 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 Night, night. <laughs> <laughs>